What's that song called? <laughs> Before Define Gravity. Now that she's on the <laughs> Sentimental Men podcast. I know. <laughs> My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. Because we're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. Here we are on this fine Thursday night. Recording the intro and outro to Lucy Jones' episode. Guys, we uh, had to do the interview at a different time because of time zones. And I feel like it's easier when we come clean about this kind of stuff because then there's no continuity issues. We can just talk and talk and do our thing. Yeah. Is this the first time that we've talked to someone who's like currently doing the show? Our first like active current alphabet. Because like obviously Lindsay was the current alphabet, but she was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our first current active alphabet, which I think is pretty huge for Sentiment Pod. Well, and what I think is even cooler is that Lucy, like, listened to the pod and was then an alphabet and is now a guest on the pod, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. Somehow we got to DMing back and forth where she told us that she had been listening to every episode in preparation for taking over as Alphaba on the West End, which is a really mm-hmm. cool moment, I think, for you and I, Kevin. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think we imagined when we started this podcast, or at least I didn't, that when we started this, that one day an actress who was going to take over as Alphaba would use our podcast as like research material for the role. Yeah, and remember, I think it was like the first time that we really like talk to her she was like i can't believe you guys even know who i am and we were like which is insane to me you were on a billboard in times square (laughs) we all thought you were coming to broadway you you were gonna be our jenna (laughs) because to me i don't know i wasn't i'm not an x-factor i don't partake in x-factor culture not really me either okay that wouldn't are you a eurovision culture person i found out last year that eurovision was in fact like a singing competition and not a soccer tournament did you think it was the world cup This whole time people have been talking about Eurovision, I thought it was a soccer tournament. (laughs) Well, okay, so what is your first touch point with Lucy Jones? I feel like this is interesting because I think it could be like so many things. Because as as you all will hear, she has a resume. Because I definitely knew who she was when she got into Waitress. 100%. I had like peripherally known her as an X Factor darling and then started to see a bunch of musical theater roles. And I was like, wait, what's going on here? Because it seems like she's like doing musical theater proper and not in a way that like a reality show contestant would get cast in a musical. A lot of times we see theater actors or theater performers like go on The Voice or go on American Idol or or go on X Factor to like launch into a different lane of their career. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the kind of opposite happened with Lucy, where she like went on this show where you're supposed to become like a recording artist, and she like used it to pivot into yeah. being the musical theater bitch. The musical theater bitch. What can she bring to Broadway? I would love a Broadway moment for Lucy Jones. What if Lucy Jones was Ivy in the bombshell? <gasps> That actually works. I feel like also Carrie St. Louis. Wait, I thought of someone good to play Karen Cartwright in the Smash musical. I was thinking Elaine Ward. Oh, Ellery Ward. Yeah. Yeah, that would be super interesting. We're going to see her at 
Julia's concert tomorrow. Yeah, wait, guys, we're going to see Julia Murney soothe my soul at 54 mm. Below tomorrow I already night. know she will, in fact, soothe my soul. What are you hoping to hear from Miss Murney tomorrow? If she's singing musical theater, mm-hmm. what's my pie-in-the-sky wish list? Yeah. Nobody's side. <gasps> but I, my more realistic hope is people. Sure. People I could people. see her giving back to before. Ooh. Anyway, Lucy Jones, I'm so excited. Kevin, give us the resume. Here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Buckle up, guys. All right. Lucy Jones first came into the zeitgeist in 2009 when she was on the X Factor UK. And then in 2010, she made her West End debut in Les Miserables. Beautiful. As, wait for it, Cosette. Oh. We love a twist. We love she has a, a soprano. Twist. As I'm reading this, it's like, oh, epic. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Honestly, get you a girl who can do all three. In 2013, she joined the touring company of We Will Rock You uh, as the role of Meat, which is originated by Carrie Ellis. Right? So, Love that. okay. So we're singing cassette. We're singing Carrie Ellis. We're singing Carrie Ellis. (laughs) In December 2013, she was in the original London cast of American Psycho in an ensemble track, which... I can't believe we didn't ask her about. But she has said that she, like, felt like she needed to do that to, like, cut her teeth. Mm -hmm. And establish credibility, which I love. But I'm like, girl, you have... You were Cosette. Sure. On the West Sure. You are credible, but that's a theme and we'll talk about it in the outro. Yeah. In March 2015, she went on the Chinese tour of Ghost the Musical in the, well, not the titular role of Molly, but... If there's bootlegs of Lucy Jones and Ghost, please send them our way. I would love to hear slash see that. Don't cut that, Kevin. Okay. In 2016, she played Elle in Legally Blonde and also played Maureen in Rent, which... Annalie Ashford and Lucy Jones, the only two. Oh, that's fun. Which, can I give a little quick Stuck on SJB right now? Yes. I was listening to Stuck on SJB's... <laughs> I was listening to Stephanie J. Block's... <laughs> I was listening to Stephanie J. Block's podcast, Stages, which you shall go listen to. Yes. Uh, and she interviewed Annalie Ashford. They talked about her doing Rent and Annalie going in for auditions she kept getting called back in for auditions and kept getting the feedback of like, oh, they're not really sure what to do with you because like you're such a Glinda type. She had one person, I forget who it was. She had one person championing for her and he was essentially like, we just need to convince them that like you can break the Glinda mold and you can do Maureen. Yeah. So it was actually like not easy for her to book Maureen. Yeah. Well, you know, there can be 99 people in a room. (laughs) In 2017, she played Holly in The Wedding Singer. All I know from Wedding Singer is Laura Benanti's song. Which one? She has so many. Someday when it's me. Yeah. I pray my love is meant to me. Not yeah. one single complication. Yeah, good. Yeah. Also in 2017, she played Elle again on the UK tour of Legally Blonde. The UKers are so lucky. They're lucky. In 2019, in what is perhaps like her first touch point with the two of us, uh, pre-Sentmen, 
was in June 2019 when she went into Waitress on the West End as Jenna. Quincy, she is the only person in the Waitress to Wicked pipeline. Yeah, that's true. That's an astute observation. May she be the first but not the last. After she was in Waitress in what I personally consider a flex, not only is she back in Les Mis on the West End, this time she is back as Fontaine because what? <clears throat> she can do both. Which brings us to what we're all here to talk about today and what we <clears throat> were all here to talk about on Tuesday. <sighs> Lucy Jones stepped into the role of Alphaba <clears throat> in Wicked on the West End. Flew into the role of Alphaba. Ran down that rake and almost fell into mm. the role. In those chunky ass yes. boots. Clunky ass. But Alphaba's entrance look <laughs> does not do it for me. Any individual on their first day of school would want to give a little zhuzh. What would you change about the outfit? What would you put her in? Ditch the beanie, ditch the braid, for sure. Then what what business would Glinda have to do with the hair during Popular? Glinda could be pointing out how greasy and gross her hair is, much like Broadway's own Brittany Johnson has chosen to do in her Popular. The way that we're like, yeah, Bridges You've Crossed is Hilties. Mm. 17 more years from now, girls are going to be hair. doing this. And That's Britney's. Like, that was Britney's. So yes, we're at Wicked. We're at Wicked. And literally, we're at Wicked because Lucy called us to do this interview from her dressing room. Which was so cool for me. Was that cool? Bitch, that was cool as hell. <laughs> and here's the thing. I feel like she knew it was going to be cool for us. And so uh-huh. she did that. That's, yeah. what I'm, that's the narrative that I'm going to tell myself. Yeah, so what? It's March. What's the date right now? It's not even March. Today it's February. is February 24th. Yeah, and February she started 24th. on February 1st. So she's like not even a full month in. Yeah. She had three weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> she must be so tired. She's fresh into the role, which is a really fun and exciting time, I think, to talk to an actress who's taking on a role like Alphaba. Mm-hmm. I am secretly manifesting that we get to talk to her when her contract is up and see the growth and the journey that she's been on and her perspective now versus her perspective then. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really fun and fresh. Kevin, before we get into our interview with Lucy Jones, please hit me with a stuck on SJB. I think it's high time that we discuss something so pivotal to Stephanie J. Block's catalog that it's almost embarrassing that we haven't discussed it yet. Like, what could this be? And we alluded to it in our last stuck on SJB. And so today, we're going to talk about the writing on the wall. Have we never talked about that? We have never. Obviously, we have access to this song on the cast recording, but I'm I'm gonna talk specifically about the video of it on YouTube because I think a big part of this experience is Stephanie's live performance of it because it's a lot of body language and it is second by second, like technical placement choices the whole way through. And this is her first Tony nom, correct me if I'm wrong. This was the first Tony nom. So first of all, it's giving founding father. It is giving that. Which I love for her. I love a transformation. I love it. 
It kind of reminds me of um, when Anne Hathaway did Twelfth Night in the park. Mm, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I love Stephanie J. Block in this song because in addition to giving us like a full-on characterization, body language, beautiful technique, beautiful placement, she is also acting for her life. Like she is so clear on this text. Like it, the song kind of starts in that like monologue style. Mm-hmm. And she is like chewing that text. Like, I am hearing every single word, understanding every single phrase and meaning. But more than that. And then a seamless transition into singing, which, Uh, as you know, is like, I don't know, what's like the opposite of a pet peeve? It's like a a pet treat for me when somebody's speaking voice is set to match like the, the pitch when they start singing. One kind of funny moment of this video is when she sings, it's clearly spelled out for those who've held out, clocks the bootlegger like straight into the camera and then like kind of like closes her eyes. And you know, in that moment she was like, okay, did I mess anything up? Now I need to go full out on the last note. This is going to be on YouTube tomorrow night. But the real like powerhouse moment is of course, after the key change, there's such a like bravado to, to the sound. Like it's, it's very grounded. It's very yeah. Well, and it's like I'm sure that it, that's part of like the masculinity that she's putting on, but it sounds so good. Little thing that I love is when she sings, um, "I tried to live forever." It's like a little treat for the gays in the cheap seats. Of like, if I was cooking something and I was like, "Here, taste this," and you just get a little spoonful, sure, but you know you're sure. gonna get like a whole bowl of it in a minute. It's She's that. like, hey, I got it, I got yeah. it, I got it. I tried to live forever, and then I'm like, mm, that's my spoonful. I'll sit tight. And then, and E doesn't scare her, nor should it. Not only does the E come flying out, but it comes flying out, and it's she's spinning it from the beginning. <laughs> it's like it's like comfy and healthy and loose for her to sing that mm-hmm. E because an E does not scare her. And that's when the Tony nominators were like, mm-hmm. check. There it is. Check, check, check. This song is so great because it is a masterclass in the slow build, right? Because she like starts it kind of speak singing and then like the song kind of picks up a little bit and like you hear the melody under as she's speaking and then she sings and then the key change. And even like after the key change, she keeps upping her own energy. I mean, it's very like the wizard and I all building up to that E at the end of the song. Ugh. It's terrific. Such a great Stuck on SJB. I'm ready to get stuck on Lucy Jones. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Lucy Jones is here with us today. Not only is she here, she is in her dressing room right now. So this is truly the closest to Wicked we've ever been on this podcast. Yeah, we've never had a dressing room before. Did Lindsay not do hers in a... Oh, no, of course. She wasn't... Of course. Yeah, Yeah, welcome. This is my room. You can't see anything because there's a window behind me. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, here I am. I'm so happy to be here. I am so, so chuffed that you guys have asked me to do this. Honestly, I'm a huge fan. I don't Uh. think I've missed a single episode. And I was actually turned on to you guys by uh, one of my best friends. When I was auditioning for the role last summer... She texted me and said, do you know um, this podcast? And I was like, no, I don't. She's like, I listen to it on TikTok all the time. I'm like, it's always coming up for me on my For You page. Yeah. Um, and that was Samantha Box. Oh, my God. Who was uh, one of my besties and was bridesmaid at my wedding. Oh my so she turned me on to you guys. And then when I got the role, I was like, right, babe, I'm going to have to go back through 
and listen to them all again and make notes. So I swear to God, there are things I do in the show every day. I swear to God. Oh my god. Well, it was like really cool for us to hear that you were like going into the role and using the podcast to study up. That's just like such a crazy, I don't think we ever expected that to happen. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, expect it henceforth because it's really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, that is so funny. So before we get into you as Alphaba, we start every interview with how did Wicked the Musical come into your life? Because you've been a fan of theater since you were little, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a I've seen Wicked more times than I've done Wicked so far. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember being on a holiday with my family. I was probably like, I don't know, 12 or 13, and I had a little Walkman CD player. Oh and my. I'd had the Wicked cast recording for Christmas, and I was listening to it. I remember being, we were at a ski resort, uh, and we were in this tiny little apartment, and there was one bathroom in the middle of the apartment. Uh, and I'd sit in the bath at the end of the day and like scream defying gravity. And I remember my brother banging on the door being like, shut up, shut up, please, for the love of God, stop. Um, but he came to my opening night and like sobbed like a baby. So that was that's how I remember the musical kind of, I don't remember the first time I ever heard the music. There's not like a, a pivotal moment for me going, oh my God, yeah. this is, this is, this is transcendent, right, right. which it is but I don't remember the specific moment. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Yeah, God, yeah. I came with my boyfriend in school. Um, We took the bus from Cardiff. We came to see the show and we sat upstairs right at the back and I cried like a baby. Uh. And had it's always been the one for me, Alphaba has, if you, if you go back on interviews with me for like years and anyone says, any dream mm. roles? I'm like, yeah. I'll tell you if I get them. It was this, it was this, always this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you remember who you saw that first time? Uh, the first time I came, I saw Lexi, Lexi Kadeem. Nice, mm. wow. Excellent. I think I think that was the first time I came. I saw a witch switch once as well. I came and there was a witch switch during act one. Have you only seen it on the West End? You've said you've seen it more times than you've done it. I've never seen it in New York. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, so I've seen the UK touring version and I saw it in Zurich. Oh, nice. uh, when a friend of mine was playing Fierro, I was like, cool, I'm coming. I'll, I'll come out and see you. Um, I've, yeah, and I've seen it here a lot. Especially as the Glinda that just left Sophie is one of my oldest friends. Uh, so if I was kind of in town with nothing to do of a day, I'd be like, hey, got a, got a seat for a pal, you know? And I'd just yeah. come and sit by myself and watch it. I love the show. I loved watching her with Alice. I loved watching her with Laura. I just, I just love it. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I'm in it. And I'm so glad we're doing this now because I'll, I'll be so grateful to listen to this yeah, later yeah. in the year. You know, when you find your feet with something and it becomes a day-to-day thing, yeah. still now I'm like, oh my God, every time I come up the stairs and I see Lucy Jones, Elf Burn, on my door, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well, that's why, I, it's cool. I'm glad we're talking to you at the start and we'll have to talk to you when you're finishing up because I'm excited to see how your mm. perspective on the role changes as you do it. Mm. Yeah. I'll do it, great. Okay, so there was this article that came out after you booked. The headline was like, Lucy Jones auditioned for Wicked 11 times before finally booking the role. I do feel like the content of the article wasn't substantial in the sense where we didn't get like the full story. So I would love (laughs) to hear your audition journey with Wicked. Cool. I will give you the rundown. Spare no details. (laughs) I shall spare none. I remember it all quite well. I've always loved the show. So when I got the call about my very first, it was a general Mm -hmm. meet. 
um, with the creative team here. And when was this? This was, I'd done Les Mis, I'd done Cosette okay. in Les Mis. Oh, so this was early on in your like theater career. Yeah, 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 really early on. It was my first audition since like Les Mis. Uh, so I was still in the show. Uh, and I remember getting the call from my agent saying, okay, so we have a meeting for you for Wicked. And I was like, 12, I wasn't 12, but I felt like 12. Yeah. And so for them to call me up and say, we have a meeting for you for Wicked, I was like, right, okay, well, what, what, what do I do? What do I wear? And it was for Alphaba? Yeah. Uh, it was a general meet. Okay. So it was bring your own material. We don't know who you are. You've just been on a TV show, like, and I've just done The X Factor yeah. like two years before. Right, right. So there was, in, in part from the fact that I was currently playing Cosette, there was just no leg to stand on. I really, I needed to earn my uh, credibility. Uh -huh. But did you feel like you had career momentum after X Factor? No. No. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid and I was living at home, I had a theatre agent uh, who was based uh -huh. in Wales and she had an office in London and she would send me up. So whilst I was in high school, I'd audition for Les Mis and a couple of other things and loads of like, TV ads, and which I never got, um, but that's fine. I'm not um, that's fine, you're alphabet now. Yeah, <laughs> screw you. Um, so I, I did the X Factor knowing that I wanted to do theater. So when they mm -hmm. kind of said to me, what do you want to do? Who do you want to meet? I was like, find me an agent, I want to do theater. And they're like, really? The money kind of sucks. And So like, Popstar yeah. was never end game for you? Well, I mean, I think we'd all be lying if we said no to that question. Because yeah. <laughs> you've all had those, those, you know, dreams. And But I love musicals. I've always loved musicals. My whole childhood was centered around sport and music. Uh, and that's very much um, akin with where I grew up and what the city is about and the opportunities that are there. I've never, ever felt like it was uncool to be doing high school musical or playing mm -hmm. the flute. Uh, and then going off to play a game of football or whatever. I've, we just didn't have that. In Wales is a very kind of music-centric and sports-centric mm. country anyway. And I lived in the capital city, so I was very lucky. So you went in for your general Wicked meet the first time. Oh God, I really went off on a tangent there. It was perfect. So I'm in Les Mis, I get this call, I go to the meeting, and I remember thinking, there's no way, because I'm playing Cosette right mm. now, there'll be, maybe will consider me for a Glinda cover, or maybe a Nessa, I don't know. Yeah. But So I thought I'll do a character song <clears throat> that has like a bit of belt in it. So I did, um, all I have to say is, I am happy to be sitting here, yeah. um, because it has that, I have my feet on the ground. Right, right. Which for me at that time, was like the sweet spot and I was like there's no danger I know I can do it I've done right. it before and I like learned it with my singing teacher growing up at home in Cardiff and so I went in and did it and they were like do you know um Define Gravity and I was like <laughs> yeah it's your time yeah yeah, like trying to be super chill they're like can you just sing the end of Define Gravity for us <laughs> yeah um, and I was like, yeah, yeah sure uh, can I just have like one minute to look over the the lyric Obviously, I know all the words. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I went to the piano and he was like, do you want to hold the music? And I was like, no, no, no. I think, you know, I'll black it. I'll be fine. <laughs> um, so anyway, I sang it and then they got me to do some scales and things. And then I was recalled for Nessa cover alphabet. And I went all the way through mm -hmm. to the finals and I didn't get it. But I was maybe 19 at the mm -hmm. time. And if I had booked that job, would have wrecked you. I would be dead by now if I had booked that job. Yeah. Like, I, I really, like, I was not ready for it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel like that for, you know, quite a few of those years, because I, I, I hadn't been to school and 
I didn't know how to live your days for your night job, you know, and I, it, it was just something that I needed to learn. Mm -hmm. And there was a very close call a few years ago when I booked Waitress. Oh, for Wicked? Yes, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, but I'm here now and it feels like the right thing at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that I have Waitress as part of my, I hate the word journey, but as part of my, you know, career path and uh -huh. my personal story because it did so much for me as a person and as a performer. And it really gave me some strength yeah. and gave me the belief the belief that I could do this because I've always been scared of it as well. You know, it's, right. it's freaking alphabet. It's, it's not a joke. <laughs> this is not a drill. You can't just waltz in and, you know, fanny around and do a couple of shows and you live your life for it. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I just, I'm definitely glad that I'm here now. Mm -hmm. uh, this feels like the right time. And with this yeah. Glinda as well, I just love Helen Wolf. She's just amazing. She's so good, yeah. It sounds like there was kind of like a dichotomy of going in and auditioning for belty things, but you were playing this kind of soprano-y role and then like the introduction of Vanessa into it. Like, what was that like for you at that point in your career? And it always happens to me. It's happened to me the whole way through. When I was auditioning for Les Mis, I was f in the final. That's how I know Barks. We met on uh -huh. the train going to that Les Mis final. Um, I was on the train. She was sat opposite me. I recognized her. She recognized me. And she was like, hey, Lucy Jones. And I was like, yeah, you smell the Barks. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I really like your boots. And I was like, I love your jacket. And then the rest <laughs> is history. Uh, and we've been like best friends ever since, really. But we were both... Like, I was looking at her that day thinking, balls, she's gonna be going in for Les Mis right now. She's dressed like Eponine. And I was dressed like Eponine. I was finaling for Eponine. Yeah. Uh, and when we stood on stage together in what was then the Queen's is now the Sondheim, um, mm -hmm. I remember Cameron coming down to the front of the stage and saying, girls, um, you, you look wonderful together, you really do. Uh, Lucy, would you mind singing for Cosette? My Cameron McIntosh sounds like Boris Johnson today. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not on my best game. So don't judge me too harshly. And I go, yeah, yeah, of course, no worries. And I went to the piano and I was like, didn't you sing really hard? <laughs> and he was like, you go up to like here and you play like a top D. And do you have a soprano? Oh, not, not anymore, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did. I definitely did. And I mean, I played the role yeah. for a year and I and I got away with it, you know. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine I was the most interesting vocalist they'd ever had as that role, but <laughs> it was definitely an incredible start. And look, Cameron's been amazing to me yeah. over the mm -hmm. years. And that job was just the beginning of an amazing education in the world that I wanted to be in. So I've, I'll be forever mm -hmm. grateful to it. And it was just wasn't meant to be. And then of course, Sam booked the movie from yeah. that and everything. Mm -hmm. So it was just kismet. Yeah. It was all right, you know. Talking about how you don't, they never really know where to put you. Is it true that you went in for Frozen and then went in for Elsa and then they were like, do you want to sing for Anna? Yeah, same thing. Exactly the same <laughs> thing. Um, I was, it was my final and Michael Grandage said to me, would you mind singing for Anna? And I was like, yeah, sure. So it's like, do you know the first time in forever? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Of course I do. <laughs> um, and they're like, just so you know, the audition cut is all in the key change key. <laughs> so it's like, the window is open, so is that door. I didn't know that anymore. Oh my and God. And then the end is just so like big and huge. And I'm dressed like Elsa. I'm like ice. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah sure. Um, 
know, maybe I'll like take off my shoes and be a bit more like earthy. Let's do that. Okay. So I take them off and I'm like thinking, I can't wait to ring my agent and tell him about this. I'm clearly not booking the job, but great yeah. story. Um, and I had a great time, but I, I knew like at that point there was three of us uh, mm -hmm. for Elsa. And I kind of had got there that day thinking, wow, then both of those people are good friends of mine. I was like, this is so cool. Like well, whoever gets it, we'll be genuinely thrilled for each other and mm -hmm. and how fun now and they were like so can you read on a scene so now we'll bring in another elsa did you get to do it with sam yeah she's like so you are you on it i was like i guess i don't know <laughs> i don't know you know um <laughs> as much as look i really i really wanted to book that job of course i did i saw it on broadway and loved it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I was in the room then doing the scenes with Sam, I was like, geez, she's, she's got this. This is mm -hmm. her. It's just to a T. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's actually really nice that it worked out that way. She's part of my story in such a big way. And I've been part of hers in those little weird moments where, you know, those big things are like, that's a life-changing thing. It's an original cast of a huge Disney musical, which is the biggest movie of our time, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so take us into, we did the first Wicked audition. What are two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Oh God, <laughs> I dread to tell you all of it. Um, I remember one of them being for a touring production of okay. the show and I fell over. I fell flat on my face oh my doing the, the curb scene. So mm. fine, if you don't want my help. No, I do, I'm sorry. And I went for him and my feet just went from underneath me because I reached for him so aggressively and I just hit the deck. That kind of works. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly it didn't work. Oh, it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. And like James Tracy, who's the musical supervisor here, who like we always joke about it. It's now I'm finally here. I, they know me. They've known mm -hmm. me for years because I go and by the time I went in last year and auditioned, it was like, oh, hey, guys, like, how's the family? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, great. Right. Here you got married. Yeah, lovely. Thanks. And, you know, it's, it's like greeting right. old friends, which is amazing. In a way, it's like they've been rooting for you all these years. I know that they have. Because they keep yeah. bringing you in. So clearly they want it to work out. Yeah. And then we've had conversations now since I did book the job. We, and it's really lovely. And with Michael McCabe as well, our producer mm. here in the UK, he's he's been quite vocal about that with me. And um, there was another year where I was really close. I was sick, and so I couldn't do my final. Gosh. Like really, I was really sick. Um, and so they brought me in again and filmed with me privately at a venue where it was just me that day. And I just wasn't, I just wasn't well. And I just couldn't get it, mm -hmm. you know? And are you getting notes and feedback throughout all these auditions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, I have from most of my auditions, especially the later ones, I have audio recordings of when we, we've been doing music and they've said, you know, stick your recording on so you can you can hear this and you can go home and take notes. And mm -hmm. um, I do have those. The ones that I have from last year are great, actually, because mm -hmm. it's it's just a, it's quite comforting to know that that really does happen. And when I did book it, they kind of said to me, look, you're not the first person. It takes years. And we know mm -hmm. most of the girls that come in, if they're new, we've known them for years, but 
we usually bump people up from standby yeah. or cover or they've toured or we bring someone from another part of the world, you know. So I don't think there's been a new, like I say new, um, as in mm-hmm. I'm fresh to the show yeah. alphabet in the UK for quite some time, maybe like four or five years. And I don't know if there's a good or a bad thing. It's taken me time to find my stamina. And yeah, even on Broadway, like the last three have been kind of brand new to the show, but that's been different mm-hmm. for the Broadway production. Yeah, and I completely understand why they do it. It's huge. And mm-hmm. look, I'm, I've done a lot of stuff in, in my short time in this crazy industry and I've doubled up on things and I've done some intense things. Mm -hmm. Nothing is like this. This is a whole nother realm of what a body and a mind can do. Mm -hmm. And they they know that and they're trying they're protecting the girls and the guys that come in and play these roles by mm-hmm. doing that by bumping people up by giving them standby by you know nurturing yeah. okay but lucy you were surprised that we knew who you were <laughs> yeah of course i was no you're a very established musical theater performer lucy jones <laughs> yeah. oh i don't know i just i always think i literally like i was literally talking to a friend of mine this morning about this because they're doing mrs doubtfire oh, course yeah, yeah. today in town oh, and nice. he called me last night and and said, I feel like a bit of a fraud, like I can't do this. And I was like, you remind yourself who the fuck you are, please yeah. just sit down for a second and imagine someone else looking at you. Or if I was a, a similar casting to you and I walked into a waiting area and you were there, I'd be like, oh, God damn it, <laughs> he's here. He's gonna book yeah, it. Yeah. And he was like, no, people must think that about you. And I was like, no, they don't. He was like, of course they do. And so we had this like love in on each other, yeah. but Aww. it's, it's crazy because I don't see myself as that at all. I mean, yeah, I've done I've done lots of stuff now, but I genuinely love it. And I mm-hmm. I don't know, it's I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I just no, I listen to you guys all the time and I was <laughs> when you sent me a message, I was like, Oh my god. Okay, everyone needs to calm the hell down. I really was. I really was. Oh and then I told my when I told my agent I was doing this, he freaked out. Oh my god, really? <laughs> But yeah, no, you're, and I think the roles you've done on the West End have been like big musical theater roles for Americans too. Like a lot of American transfers. How is that from a UK perspective? I mean, we're always very excited to get work from Broadway. I'm definitely in groups of friends that are, Mm -hmm. we love what we do and we're fans of theater and that's why we do it. So, well, I've traveled to New York to see things on Broadway. I took a trip on my birthday a few years ago, well, maybe like five, six years ago now. I came to see Dear Evan Hansen mm-hmm. on my birthday one year. Um, I was in Florida and I was like, hey, can we go to New York? <laughs> While we're here. And just see Dear Evan Hansen like tomorrow. And we did, <laughs> we did. We managed to get incredible seats um, and we saw the whole original cast and it was one of the greatest things I've ever experienced in my life. I uh, traveled, I've queued up to get the rush tickets for Mean Girls. And like when my friend and I came to New York seven or eight years ago and we did that every morning we were up and we were out. And and by this time we were both playing these roles that right. we, we just love it. Um, when there's something is coming over from the States, I'm usually already like, oh my God, I love that soundtrack. Mm. Or oh, I love that guy. Or this is, like, I'm so excited to see how it will change. Or for Waitress, for example, mm. I had been touring for a long ass time. And my the last tour that I'd done was r- real hard work. I played Elle mm. on the road in Ligley Blonde. Yeah. And it was the same year that I did Eurovision and I got married and I did wedding singer for six weeks covering someone else. And I doubled it up with Rent. And it was it was crazy, t- crazy town. Yeah. And so I just said to Gav, I need to I need to stop touring if you don't mind. And I'd rather if I need to take a break, if 
you know, I'll get another job. I'll, I'll right. work in a grocery store. Like I'll do something else for a while. I just want to kind of be at home yeah. and yeah. sleep in my own bed and hang out with my dogs and my husband, God forbid. <laughs> um, so we, we did that and waitress came up and I never anticipated it being something so special, you know, um, and I knew mm -hmm. the soundtrack because I, uh, kn I knew it from the kind of Broadway scene. So it's actually yeah. really helpful in terms of being like, being a fan is really helpful for my job. Yeah. And can <laughs> yeah. you walk us through the waitress audition process a little bit? Because I get the sense that it was a little bit like Carrie Ellis doing the Wicked London cast where she auditioned for the opening cast and then they were like, actually, we're going to bring in Adina. You can replace after. Is that touchy? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. No, gosh, no. I mean, it's fine. I've played the role. It's been great for me. Yeah. I've closed the chapter of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it came up again, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a similar, okay. similar story. And Carrie and I have actually spoken about that. Oh, nice. Uh, and I did her podcast. We did that when I was kind of going through that whole thing. And uh, she was she was great, actually. She kind of talked me through what happened with her and how helpful it eventually was for her to be the first Brit. So when you found out that they were going to let Kat open it, were you like, oh, I'll replace at some point? Or did you think that ship had sailed for you? Well, there was lots of different conversations, really. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It was, you know, would you like to be in the ensemble and cover? And at this point, I'd spent you know, months prepping and thousands of pounds on coaching and, mm -hmm. you know, and this the time and the effort and the heart that I'd put into it. I didn't think I could watch someone else do it from so close. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, thank you so much, but no. Then it was, would you like to be an offstage standby? Mm. Um, and I was like, that's kind of the same thing, <laughs> if not worse, because mm -hmm. I'm not really part of it. I'm like, pick me yeah. in the corner. Um, yeah. If I had been auditioning for that the whole time, please yeah. don't misunderstand me, I would have been fine with that. Not a problem yeah. at all. I just was invested in it in a di on a different- You had your heart set. In a different capacity, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I, I kind of walked away from it at that point. And then they said, would you like to take over when she leaves? And I said, hell yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Uh, then, you know, it wasn't selling incredibly well at the beginning. So it was kind of like, oh my God, have I taken this job and waited all these months mm. and had all these sleepless nights and yeah. done all of this for, uh, you know, a for few weeks. If, <laughs> if the show, God forbid, was to close. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and then I might have not been able to do it at all. Then Kat extended as well. Mm. Um, she decided to stay a little bit longer and I was like, yeah, gods, come on. <laughs> um, but eventually it worked out really well. And uh, and I just did the tour here in the UK. I opened the tour for a few months mm -hmm. and, and it was great. I just, I love that role. Yeah. I just think it's so beautifully crafted and it's so well supported from all the different elements around it in the show. It's just amazing. I could, yeah. I'd do it forever. And it's kind of cool too to have um, like Waitress is what took you off the roads then to go back out for a little bit with Waitress was probably, that's like a nice full circle moment. Yeah, definitely. And it was a role that, uh, like I said, Al on the roads and Nyon killed mm -hmm. me. It was so hard mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. weekly touring as well in the UK. You get in your car on a Saturday night or a Sunday and you drive to the next venue and you open on the Monday. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yes, we're not, you know, we're not maybe doing 10 hour travels or anything, but you do eight shows and then you drive yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. It's hard work. So to go back out on a show that I knew I could do uh, and I, I knew that I loved so dearly 
Not mm-hmm. to say that I didn't love Elle. She's just a little bit more energetic than Jenna, sure. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More bubbly. So a little bit more difficult, you know. And Jenna gets more breaks than Elle does, for sure. <laughs> Do you know what I did last year? You'll laugh at this. When I was rehearsing the Waitress tour mm-hmm. and playing Fontaine at night, I found myself one <laughs> Oh, this is so embarrassing. I found myself one night, because we were in a concert version of the show, I went down to the mic and I did, there was a time when men were kind. And I did the opening section when it all went wrong. And then as the music settled into the song, I settled and I put my hand on my hip (laughs) and I sunk into my hip like in a Jenna. And I was like, ooh, and I really had to like look at my hands and do some serious like acting to try and get myself out of it. She's so exhausted, Jenna. And to be fair, Fontaine is too, but at that point, she's still quite, you know, hopeful. So to be slinking in in that kind of southern, you know, <laughs> I can't do that. Oh Friggin' Fontaine. <laughs> it was bad, but yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so you've done like pretty iconic, at least from an American perspective, pretty iconic musical theater roles, like Maureen, Molly and Ghost, which is a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. Legally mm-hmm. Blonde, Jenna, which role do you think prepared you most for Alphaba? Ooh. What would you liken Alphaba to the most of what you've played? You know, I think this, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of a cop out here, and I'm gonna say all of them okay. because for different reasons, mm-hmm. not maybe not specific roles, but times in your life when you're playing a role or in a specific production, something might happen to you, and you can grow and change. Um, and I feel like I have grown and changed quite a lot over the last 10 years, you know, as we do, a bit of food and water. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the the difference in the human like, type and personality type and mm-hmm. um, like understanding and drive and work ethic, that comes from all of them. And I think a lot of Alphabet is all of those. I've, I've kind of played Alphabet in, especially in Act One, I kind of talk to myself a little bit and there's dorky moments and there's like, mm-hmm. she's also awkward and there's there's that kind of awkward edge to her. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe Elle and that kind of playful spirit that she has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played Elle quite dorky as well. Yeah. Well, also Elle is a deceptively hard part in musical theater. I don't think it's deceptive at all. It's like pretty face value hard. She <laughs> sings the entire show. And not only that, but do you know how exhausting it is to be like this all the freaking time? <laughs> oh my God. It's yeah. so exhausting. And then you have to like run around and I am not a dancer, okay? And I had to dance and I was in these heels and like holding a dog and traveling around the country. And it is hard. It is, of course it is. You're absolutely right, Kevin. I'm on that team. But I know what you mean as well, Quincy, because it's not it's not like a, it doesn't get spoken about as like, oh my God, she played this role. Wow, like right. Ava Perron. Or, because it's legally blonde. Exactly. Right. It's like people think it's fluff and... Um, there is that. But going back to your question, I think all of all of them in, in you know certain ways, having just played Jenna, who is so open and vulnerable uh, during that kind of last section of the show, mm-hmm. I think that makes the elements of Alphabet a little bit easier than they might have been had I not played that role mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of showing a, a vulnerable side of her without her feel, seeming like a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really tried to do with Jenna because um, at some points she is a victim mm-hmm. but not all the time because that's boring and it's just not her and uh, nobody wants to see that and no, she, it wouldn't be her personal experience so oh there's someone at my door hang on hi come in hi. look who's here <laughs> 
Oh my god! Hi! <laughs> Hello! Nice to Hi, meet you. you! I love this surprise nice appearance. To meet you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gate crashing only temporarily. I came in to drop off some Percy Pigs, which I don't know if you've tried. No. They're the best. And a ginger shot. Uh, you know, we just that. take it in this turns. This is so fun. I love this. This is a fever dream uh, for me. You having a nice time? Oh, the first. We're talking about me. Oh, God. <laughs> Nothing to talk about then, she's really dumb. <laughs> All right, Helen, while you're here, let's get the question in. Are you a No One Mourns the Wicked, popular, or thank goodness Glinda? Popular. Okay, why? Oh my God, it's honestly like just the most, because there's also so much going on, but it's like that one time where you're entirely focusing on her, and mm. not a lot, you know, all the other scenes that we have together, there's other people, lots of things going on, but it's generally, it's like her genuine want and desire to make her look good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just think like, you know, She's good, is good at that. She knows what she's yeah. doing. And it's just so fun. I love yeah. it. Amazing. Yeah, I love she's that. very good at it. I mean, yeah, we know. I mean, post COVID was really fun running around sure. like I'm about to yeah, have an asthma attack. But, you know, we will get back there. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice to meet you, Helen. Yeah. You too. I'm going to leave you Thanks to it. So nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. I'll come see you when I'm done. She's the best. She's the greatest. And she's like that all the time it's amazing she's very glinda she is she really is she'd be a great owl oh, she'd be a sure. great owl. she would be sure. yeah okay wait so we have this theory when it comes to wicked and waitress we talk about the wicked to waitress pipeline and i believe yeah that any alphaba can play jenna but not every jenna can play alphaba yeah i would agree i i definitely would agree i think um vocally this show is very broad and i know that people think mm. of defying gravity and they think of the end of the wizard and i think of no good deed but the hardest moments for me in the show are when i've given all of those hell and i'm standing there sweating my ass off in a corset trying to sing for good mm. you know that right. they're the moments where you really have to switch into a technical brain and think about those things so you do have to be quite vocally apt to do this role I would say I'm, I'm sure people do it without training and they fly through it and like good for them not yeah. me no way no way in <laughs> hell um but i think that sits well back into jenna vocally because it's not an easy thing by any stretch of the imagination mm -hmm. but the power in the top end that we look for maybe more in an alphabet than a yeah. jenna mm -hmm. you, you you might not need to use that every day in waitress you can use it yeah. occasionally and you can pop out the the end of what baking can do mm -hmm. or you know those moments in bad idea where you can really give it some sheila <laughs> give it some welly um and i think from an acting perspective as well it really bugs me that people don't think of this or talk about this for the storytelling alphabet yeah it kills me it breaks my heart every day mm -hmm. when glinda says to me of course, yeah, fine, I promise, but I don't understand. Yeah. And I step back and say, I'm limited, look at me. Yeah. Every single day, time we do it, I think of her smiling in my face in popular and saying goodbye to me in Defying Gravity and seeing them at the ballroom when they, you know, the engagement. And I think of all those things and I think of moments in my life and things that might resonate with that. And it makes me sob every day. And I think if you're not giving it that, yeah then you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't, if you couldn't mm -hmm. tell a story well, then you wouldn't be able to do these roles, you know? Yeah. Um, so yes, Jenna might be seen as more of an acty role than Alphaba to the masses, but I don't think they yeah. are. I think you need to be mm -hmm. able to tell a damn good story. And I think particularly that the arc with Alphaba 
Like mm -hmm. even the physicality from like when I enter at the beginning of the show just before Shiz mm -hmm. to where I am when I leave Glinda before the melting, mm -hmm. the physical transformation and the vocal change and the things that she goes through and the moments like So it's literally the first day of the week as well. This is where my brain is. Um, oh God, in Sentimental Man and when um, Chistery comes in and when I give him wings and he's in pain and mm -hmm. all of that, I, I physically, I feel that every day. And those moments, if you're not committing to those, it can really become a non-thing. It's, it's not, mm -hmm. we're not in a real world here. We're in a fantasy world. So we need to commit to it entirely yeah. for the audience to believe that it's real, you know? It's not like mm -hmm. we're doing, you know, Downton Abbey. I don't know why I've gone there. Yeah. But like, it's, a, it's real people and it might yeah. not be what we're used to every day, but it's re real people, real events, living in a house, living lives, falling in love, mm -hmm. la la la, etc. Yeah. We've got flying monkeys and talking goats. So we need to commit to that experience and that existence mm -hmm. entirely. Yeah. And I think if you don't do that, then your audience might leave thinking, that was fun, but they won't right. leave feeling moved or feeling like they've been on an emotional roller coaster with you, which this show can really do. Do you know what else I think about most days? When Hells and I are doing harmonies, I think about the way that you've spoken about where the, the shift is with them as people empower and everything with the harmonies. I think about that so often. I think it's so fascinating. So thanks oh for God. that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's go to this last audition, the audition that booked us the role. Did you ever like think maybe this isn't gonna happen for me? Oh yeah, God, every year I was like, oh God, why am I doing this again? They're gonna hate me. They're gonna think, oh, how embarrassing for me. But then I'd, do the material and mm -hmm. I'd work on it with my acting coach or with my singing teacher or, you know, at home with my husband. I'd be like, I just love it so much. I've got to keep trying. I've got to. And there was one year where Ethan, my other half, who's the most supportive person in the world, uh, he said to me, sweetie, you don't have to do this to yourself because I, you know, I really wanted it. Yeah. So yeah. it was, it was an emotional investment every year. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. I do. I do have to do it every year because that's what Alphaba would do. She'd mm. just keep at it. She would not take no for an answer. And she would. She'd just... That sounds so cheesy. No, I love it. <laughs> be the, be the person. Um, but I mean it. It's, it's part of who she is. It's the drive of her. And, uh -huh. and I have that in me. I'm a bit relentless. Probably annoyingly so sometimes. Um, but this time it was COVID time. So it was, you know, go into a venue. All the doors and windows are wide open so you can hear... The wizard and I, from when you get off the tube all the way to the minute you leave, the like the area. Um, and there was a girl uh, at my final this year. Sam Barks. <laughs> imagine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, can you imagine? Here she is again. Christ, I might as well go home. Um, she, she went in and bearing in mind, all the doors were open inside the building for ventilation and everything. So I could hear right. everything and this girl was, killing it mm -hmm. i was like who is that <laughs> who is this girl and she was just amazing and like the power in her voice and she did the whole audition and then she got to the end of defying gravity and she just couldn't get it and i listened to her 
maybe six or seven times, just not quite get it. And she came out, I'd never seen mm. her before, she was very young, uh, in floods of tears. Uh, and I just wanted to be like, bitch, that was me every year. I just wanted to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I just, I felt every second yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't know her name. I don't know who she is. I've never seen her again. I wasn't allowed to speak mm. to her. We were COVID sure. life, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. whoever you are, if you're hearing this, don't give up. Cause seriously, that was me some years and I'd leave and I'd cry and I'd, and I've, you know, it's happened in other auditions and I've been like, oh, messed that up. They're, gonna, they're never going to see me again. But then they do. And we're mm -hmm. all human, you know, people, people who play the role don't hit the note every day. And yeah. it's about progression and getting there eventually. Was there something special about this final audition? I think I felt like I deserved it, if I'm honest. I mm -hmm. felt like I went in there not being afraid of it not being afraid of the people in the room. And did having done Jenna influence that attitude at all? Having like already led a show now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean, I've I've done lots of brilliant leading roles. Mm -hmm. I really have, but to do one in town where people, right. you know, they see your face every day and they hear about you every day. And it does, it does change things slightly. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't done that. And I so I hadn't had that feeling of like, these people trust me and the audience trusts me. Do you know mm -hmm, what I mean? Yeah. I hadn't had that really before. Um, and that, and I've never even really thought about that or said it out loud. That sounds um, weird to say out loud, but I haven't thought about it really. But that's probably what it was. I believed that I deserved to be there. I wasn't afraid of the event in itself. And I could literally visualize being behind the cloth, Glinda coming down, you know, I could visualize it. I could imagine myself being there and feeling the excitement and the nerves and like seeing my parents and my family like sat in the audience. I could see it. Yeah. And I just, I believed it. I think that's the difference. And so now that we're doing it and you've been wanting to do it for so long, is there anything that surprised you or you were like, mm. oh, I wasn't expecting this to be a part of the gig? I had very clear thoughts about how I would like to play this person. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. have had for a long time. How would you articulate your alphabet? She's just an open book, mm. uh, which is might mm. be slightly different to the guarded version of events that people have may have thought that they were playing before but i think mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see everything on her face because why would she know social cues why would she know how to right. hide herself so like yeah you do in certain situations like in the in the scene with uh glinda where she you know with alphabet's dance that's an act yeah that's her covering up that's her being defiant but her just putting her hand up in the class and answering a question that's because she knows. So in her mind, everything's very straightforward. Yeah. Oh, I know that answer. Why is everyone laughing mm -hmm. at me? Why are you being... Oh, interesting. I just don't understand why... Oh, That's oh no, cool. he knows something else. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of... I think she's just that. Um, and I love, 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 love doing The Wizard and I because that kind of playful fantasy side of her I feel like that's been probably been a lot of her existence and yeah. you know growing up without friends and without the love of her parents or uh, Nessa's kind of embarrassed about her the whole time. Sure. They're not going to be in the garden playing make believe and making up dances, you know, it's 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 not going to be that way for her. So um I imagine she spent a lot of time alone. Yeah. And dreaming, you know. Okay, that kind of brings us to our next question. The question. Do you consider yourself 
A wizard and I define gravity or no good deed alphabet. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. All we ask is that you explain why. Okay. Well, I've thought about this long and hard and deep. <laughs> I really have. I love it. It's such a hard question to answer because realistically, yes, I've seen the show and thought, oh my God, the way that Rachel Tucker did Defying Gravity or... Thank you for bringing her up. <laughs> um, of course I've thought those things and seen those things, but actually doing it and being in it it's a really hard question to answer, especially mm. maybe because I'm at the beginning. This will be interesting to see if my yeah. opinion on this changes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, through the contract. Um, because until I played the role, I would have hands down said The Wizard and I. Mm. Hands down. Because that's how I feel about the show. That excitement and that, like, buzz and that... Oh, that's cool. I'm with you there. When I say at the beginning of the song, uh, so I'll make good and, like... the oh my god is, is this really happening my right. uh, i've had people say to me recently like what do you think about when you when you're seeing this bit or this bit or whatever and somebody said to me in a uh, i was teaching a few weeks ago and she was like i always think in that bit like what would i do if there's this tv show here i don't know if you guys have it called ted lasso yeah 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 americans are obsessed with it oh good okay <laughs> i love it too i love it so hannah waddingham who plays the club owner in mm-hmm. Richmond. Uh, she's a musical theatre girl. She she was in Game of Thrones. She's done lots of amazing things. And she's she won uh, an Emmy this year. And this girl said to me, when I'm at the beginning of The Wizard and I, I'm thinking about, did that really just happen? I'm thinking, Hannah Waddingham has just called me up and said, I'm not doing season three of Ted Lasso without you, like that kind mm. of thing. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And I thought on that for a while. And then I was like, I don't, I don't even need anything at that point because I love this so freaking much that I am like buzzing. And the note that I always get is just, just it's like a bottle of pop. Let it open a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then it can fizz at the end. But I was going like this in like verse two because I just am so excited to be there. And I genuinely, genuinely always thought that would be the case. We've heard that Wizard and I is like the worst song to actually have to do right out of the gate. That's across the board. Every alphabet is like the mm-hmm. Wizard and I is kind of the worst song to sing. Yeah, I mean, who does that? Who who wants to do that at like 2.30 in the afternoon? It's insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's insane. And I've only been here for three weeks, but sometimes I go out and I'm like, yeah. I'm fine. This is great. And then I go, with me. And I'm like, Ooh, dig deep, dig deep, dig deep. Come on, come on, come on. And then I'm like, shit, that was the first song. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> um, but I mean, most of the time it is fine because, look, I have a fantastic vocal coach who has taught me to navigate tiredness and, sure. you know, vocal fatigue and all of that, like uh, like technical stuff. But I, ju- I just love it. I love the song so much. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think I am currently a No Good Deed Alphabet because okay. it surprised me. And I, okay. it's mm. the song that you don't audition with. Oh, yeah, sure. It's the song mm. that you're never asked to sing in concerts because it doesn't make sense. It's it's the song that, you know, I've sung it in my kitchen. Who hasn't? Am I right? Yeah. But right. It's, <laughs> well, it's the one that you just, it's, we've least face-to-face experience with it until we're in the show or we're seeing yeah. the show, you know? It also feels like the biggest acting moment. Yeah, there's a lot in there. And I think... It can be really overplayed as well. And it's really quite nice for moments of it to just completely drop away and for her to be surprised by herself and surprised by the thought processes yeah. that are going on for her. Like, let all of us be agreed. Yes, it can be this yeah. terrifying, dark thing, but it can also be 
oh my god let them yeah let them have it and then the strength builds and then right. it's i like promise no, i promise you it. i'm not going to do this do you know what i mean so there's like a and I'm, yeah. I'm not settled yet i don't i don't know exactly what i want in each moment of the show and i'm still playing and i'm being given the freedom to do that you know with my yeah. mm. um with my choices and my thought processes how have you been settling into the role because we're so fresh it's really hard uh it, no harder than i imagined it being but just living it is whoo yeah. uh last sunday matinee which is our final show of the week um i finished no good deed and i came off stage to troy my dresser and i said troy my limbs hurt he was like yep yeah. <laughs> i was like yeah no they like hurt and he's like yeah is it the hardest role you've done thus far yeah yeah 100 percent. but i knew it would be and when i feel tired and when i feel like mm -hmm. oh god I'm like, I smile. I genuinely, I'm a psychopath for it. Cause I want, <laughs> I wanted that. I wanted the difficulty and I wanted to feel what that was like. And, and I love the challenge of it. I haven't done every show. I'm not a person that will be here when I can't. Mm -hmm. I won't be here and mm -hmm. do a really bad performance just to tick the box. I just refuse to do it. Yeah. It's a fricking sprinted marathon. This whole year is gonna be that way. And when I need to take a moment, I will take a moment. Mm -hmm. But my God, I love it so much. Yeah. I love it so. It's just blown me away. Yeah. And I just, every single second of it is special. Having been a Wicked fan prior to booking the role, did you feel any sort of pressure to do the options or do the riffs? Like I imagine that had to be like factoring into your brain. Yeah. Yeah, it really, interestingly, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not permitted to. Okay. Let's call a spade a spade here. Um, it's it's a big part of the the experience of seeing the show for some people, mm -hmm. but for many 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 mm -hmm. people, they've never seen it, and so it's I've been you know I've sold this dream which I absolutely buy into of he wrote this masterpiece, and there are a few mm -hmm. moments where we are allowed, uh, we as everyone, not yeah. just me have been allowed by Stephen to opt up or to change or to do this. And they ask very specific mm -hmm. moments for us as the show here in the UK. I don't know what it's like in the, in the States at the moment. Um, and I'm actually really grateful for that whilst I'm settling in here. I think it's a phenomenal score. Mm -hmm. And the way the underscore works with the text and the way that everything is just curated around the music and the story and the, these moments it doesn't necessarily always need extra. And I've seen extra and loved it, don't get me wrong, if there's reason for it. Yeah. If there's, you know, storytelling reason mm -hmm. behind why we're changing these notes. But it's just it's just not the way they want it. So I've absolutely bought into that and mm -hmm. I'm doing our rehearsed version of the show, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, I have had a few um, naysayers. Oh, you're so boring. Oh, why can't you do this alphabet really? that Rachel did? Or this girl on the tour did this thing. Like I've had DMs of people sending me riffs, like do this one. Not DMs. People are awful. Oh, babe, at stage door, please can you do this riff tonight? I'm like, no, I, I never do. I'm, I'm doing what I've been told to. But yeah. the difficulty is here is that I, I am a person that has done that in the past and I've done it to, I mean, I didn't freaking mm -hmm. dream the dream. I, I, yeah. I opted up, I changed it slightly. You sure did. But I was told and mm -hmm. asked by the producers to do that. Yeah. And that was part of part of me being in the show. 
it's not that way here. I'm mm-hmm. one in a, a line of many, many women who will play this role and it works, it works. So let's mm-hmm. do what works, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I'm missing out necessarily yeah. by not being able to do those things, especially while I'm, you know, singing it into my voice and my body. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I've not had too many people you know, bashing down yeah. my door, telling me that it's... I feel like the general consensus of Lucy Jones's Alphaba is we're all so excited. We love it so much. She's incredible. Yeah, we're all rooting for you. Oh, that's nice. 100%. That's nice to hear. <laughs> Thanks. Lucy, this has been so fun. We have to do this again when your contract is over. I feel like that'll be a really cool journey to witness. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast. I think you two are brilliant. I feel like I've probably just said loads of stuff to you because for like for a lot of my waitress tour last year, I was listening to you in the car oh and like, you're my pals. I feel like I trust you and like, I, I know you. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same about Dex Shepard and Monica yeah, Padman yeah. on um, freaking Armchair Expert. <laughs> I feel like if I bumped into yeah. the street, I'd be like, hey guys yeah how goes it do you know what i mean like it's it's insane and and what you're doing for the show and for actors and fans alike is just amazing and i'm i will continue to listen to you for as long as you go i think it's brilliant oh thank you Uh, thank you so much you're so welcome appreciate it have a great day What a splendiferous interview, Kevin. Come on, splendiferous. I agree. I mean, I'm not going to like talk about it like it just happened. Yeah. But that whole day, it was Tuesday, 2WO's day, like 2-22-22. So it was like a big energy day to begin with. Yeah. And I feel like it was a real good day for us, too. That's interesting you say that because, yeah, I feel the same where, like, we did the interview. I was feeling really good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, like, really feeling the vibes today. Yeah. Yeah, the vibes were good. And, like, even once we hung up with Lucy, like, you and me talked for a couple minutes and it was just, like, everything was vibrating at the right frequency yeah that day and we got to talk to helen wolf too we got to talk to helen wolf she opened that door and said it's good to see me isn't it (laughs) (laughs) they're so cute i want them to start a podcast they were so oh that'd be fun they did have like a cute chemistry yeah Okay, wait, wait, wait. Before we get into like the the nitty gritty of it all, we have to acknowledge that Samantha Barks told her about our podcast. Oh, baby. <laughs> Samantha, I'm like, she, are you kidding me? Okay, what was like biggest thing for you from that interview? Something that struck me in this conversation was we have now encountered quite a few alphabas who are like, yeah, like, I'm not really a musical theater person. Like musical theater is just my job. Mm-hmm. And we have also encountered a few now alphabas who are like fans of I musical theater. Yeah. And I just think that's such an interesting crossroads that like those both. two types of people are the types of people who find themselves at like the apex of musical theater. Do you think there's a difference between the actresses who or like musical theater is not my jam and the actresses who are like, I love it, I'm obsessed with it. I think so. It's like, if those are the two extremes, I think it's the people in the middle who will tell you that the role is the most difficult because it's like the people who are like chill about it and the people who who are like so happy to be there that are gonna like breeze through it because they've got 
a different adrenaline, but I think like Oh, interesting. Am I making sense? No, yeah, because if you're chill about it, then you're chill about it. If you're so happy to be there, you're not going to say it's so difficult because... Because you're although, like... Although, to be fair, Lucy Jones did say this is the hardest role she's done. Correct me. I mean, I don't mean it's not difficult. I just mean like both of those parties have expressed like a certain ease with the role, even though they're coming at it from two different energies. Mm-hmm. Quincy, what's something that you liked about that interview? I don't know if this is like the the thing for me, but like something that became very apparent as we talked to her, which we talked a little bit about in the intro, is like the perspective that Lucy Jones has of herself in like the context of musical theater. Mm-hmm. If you look at her resume, you have Elle Woods, you have Maureen, you have Molly and Ghost, you have yeah. Alphaba, you have Jenna in Waitress, you have Fontaine, you have Cosette. All iconic musical theater roles, which is why... I'm bringing it up again. It's insane that she was surprised that we knew who she was, especially when you think about the roles that she's played. These are roles that sentimental men specifically would be obsessed with. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are all roles in musicals that are on my top 10 list. Yeah. And so, I don't know, Lucy. I'm just, I love it. I love the humbleness. But you're a star, baby. You're a star, baby. A big star. She is a musical theater girly, and I love it. To kind of view... I mean, she told us she went into audition for Wicked for the first time, like, pretty much right at the same time that her theater career was starting, Mm -hmm. which was 11 years ago, which is, like, insane that she's been on this journey for that long. But then to look at everything she's done... And then think of it in the context of, like, that was her 20s. Like, she's my age. That's super impressive. Between 19 and 30. Yeah. She did all that work. She did all those shows, all those contracts. That's incredible. She has a career. She has a career, mama. When we were playing Alpha Bowl with her, Mm -hmm. and she was saying, like, that she doesn't need, like, a justification for The Wizard and I Because it's like she's been on that journey to Mm. get to the show. And to me, immediately, I was like, that's like how Stephanie J. Block felt like she could just do I'm Not That Girl because her Wicked journey was like reflective of that song. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that she brought up how Wizard and I and Defying Gravity do kind of work in like a concert setting. Which my hot take is I would prefer... Any Alphabas are listening. I would prefer an Alphabet do the Wizard and I in concert than Defying Gravity. And that might be a bias, but for me, the Wizard and I hits out of context more than Defying Gravity mm-hmm. does. Defying Gravity to me needs a little bit of like the frills and stage magic to really sell the song. Maybe we should start singing No Good Deed in cabaret settings. Let's just like make Let's a statement. Normalize it. At this point, we can sing any Wicked song out of context because Wicked is the context. Put that on a t shirt. Wicked is the context. She talked about no one really knew what to do with her casting-wise. Mm-hmm. What is your take on all of that? Because I feel like you have more of like a casting brain. I think it is easy for an actor and a casting office to make a relationship when the actor has like a very clear strength, like a like a type. standout strength, like a type, yeah. And so I think like with somebody like Lucy or like we've heard we heard Donna Vivino say this, like we've even heard like Carrie St. Louis say this. When you can like straddle a line like that, it's a little hard, I think, for casting to like put you in a bucket 
So then when like a roll comes up and they're like, oh, we'll pull from this bucket. If you're not in either of the, you know what I mean? Obviously in the bucket. Yeah. I mean, the, you want to show them that you can exist in the world for somebody like Lucy. That's her moment to say like, no, look, I can do this. I can also do this. You think of me as this. Yeah. Yeah. Quincy, let's hear from a listener. Yeah, let's do it. Dearest, darlingest, Kevsey, and Quincical. If you could do any ensemble track in Wicked the Musical, which one would it be and why? So that question came to us from Brie, who is, uh, I would say, like a staple in the Wicked fandom community. Staple. Honestly, like a day one of the pod. Like she's been here. And she's like been here, been here. Like she's been Been here. here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I know your answer. Yeah, you probably do. My answer is off the bat, the ribbon dancer. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let me tell you, it's because the last time I saw Wicked, I wish I knew his name, but he was a black bald man and he was doing his thing. And I was like, oh my God, that looks like me. And then I was like, oh my God, wait, I'm going to pay attention. And then I was like, oh my God, this is a fun part. And then I was like, oh my God, representation matters. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I know this isn't a realistic answer, but I would choose like some terrible green blizzard throughout the land she flies. Would you vibrato or would you straight tone? Oh, vibrato, baby. Full spin. From the get-go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quincy, part two to this question what ensemble costume do you like the best? I want an Oz Dust costume. Oz Dust dress, mm-hmm. not suit. And it is, it's like the black dress with like the skirt that kind of jets out. Is it one of the dun 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 Yeah, I want to, I want an Oz Dust tableau girly, a Dancing Through Life tableau girly. That's who I want to be. I love the costume that's like the male presenting student at Shiz who has like the blazer on top and then the skirt on the bottom. You actually like really fit. I really do think you're made to like be in the Wicked production in some capacity. You just kind of have the look, you know? I look like a goat. (laughs) So that was our Kevsey and Quincical for this week. We would love to hear from you. Send us a voice memo with your question. Our email address is sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com. Give us some juicy stuff. Oh, it doesn't have to be wicked. If you want it to be wicked, that's great. But just letting you know, that's not like the confines of the... Sure, 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 sure. Kevin, really fun episode. Really special conversation. Terrific. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Lucy. And of course, thank you all for listening. I hope you had a great listening experience. And if you did, we would love it if you told us about it in an Apple Podcasts review. Please. A rating, a review. Tell a friend. A follow, a subscribe. And subscribe to our Green Circle if you want more content. TTYL. Bye. Roll the credits. Bye. You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced and edited by your hosts, Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. You can support the pod by leaving us a rating or a review or by subscribing. Subscribers get early access to our regular episodes, monthly bonus episodes, and get added to the Scent Men Green Circle. Which is literally our close friends on Instagram. (laughs) 
Thanks to Julia DiMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. She was that gif of like, I'm going to give the gays everything <laughs> I want. I was literally Lucy deciding to bring her laptop to work yesterday. <laughs>